This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. This episode originally aired on October 10th, 2019, and is part of the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast Zero to Kokomo series. Enjoy. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, who do we got on the program today? We have Kyle Green from the Green Mortgage Team, accompanied by, wait for it, Robinson Smith. You may not know Robinson Smith, but he's actually the son of the guy who invented and wrote the book on the Smith Maneuver. So if you're in real estate investing, you already probably know what the Smith Maneuver is. If you don't, you're going to learn a ton today. Well, and and even if you do, I think uh, the intricacies of this conversation are going to prove useful to anyone. It's unbelievable. And we brought Kyle on as well because Kyle is a mortgage broker that specializes in investment real estate. And so he's kind of unpacking how to use it with Robinson. It's phenomenal. You'll learn a ton. I think you actually said to me that you learned so much from this episode, you're going to have to go back and listen to it, which you never do. Yeah, I have not listened to this podcast in years. Yes. <laughs> but I do watch it on YouTube. Right. I do watch it on YouTube, which yeah. is uncomfortable. Yeah. And we should. And you know what? We did film this on YouTube. And if you are interested in seeing Kyle Green yeah, and, is- and also Robinson Smith, they're both uh, Robinson Smith, tall drink of water. Kyle Green looks a lot like uh, he's he's um, decommissioning a bomb um, in a. I'm not even sure what that means. <laughs> he looks he looks like he's uh, in a movie 
where they're decommissioning bombs. That's kind of look like Bourne. Jason. No, Bourne. no, I'm not thinking Jason Bourne. I'm thinking. Um, I'm actually. What, what's the guy's name? Jer- Jeremy Renner. Jer- he looks like Jeremy Renner. Oh, what Jeremy is that Renner. movie? Is that uh, American Sniper? What What movie is that? Bomb Man. The Hurt Locker. The Hurt yes, Locker. The, the Hurt Locker. locker. The yeah. Hurt locker, Kyle yeah. Green looks a lot like the Hurt Locker. That was also actually Matt wasn't the Hurt Locker was your nickname in high school mostly because you were hurt in a locker. <laughs> at least twice a week. At least twice a week. Yeah. <laughs> and, and okay, so but before we get to our interview with uh, with Kyle Green, we should say we're having the YouTube event, the live event. Actually, we had it last night. No, we're so this is the thing. This. this is the thing. We're dr- this. We're talking about this Wednesday morning. Right. You'll get I'm hungover. this. You'll get this. <laughs> Thursday morning, maybe Wednesday evening, if you're if you're really ambitious about getting the podcast right as it is released. But we had a phenomenal YouTube hangout last night. We did, and we should say we we, we haven't had the YouTube hangout but I'm, yet. I'm pretty excited about how it went. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping it's going to be a success. The idea is that we're basically just having a hangout on YouTube. It's called Vancouver Real Estate Live. Last night. <laughs> Or tonight, depending on when you're recording well, or listening. And, and maybe we should just flesh it out because really, like, when we think about why we started this podcast, it was you and I kind of back to back, the good old days in real estate. Right. Have a beer after work and sit around talking about real estate. We also liked podcasts. We were like, why, why don't we just start doing this on microphones? That's how the, the origin story, right? Correct. Now, what we found is a lot of people reach out, but a lot of people are not able to engage in a way they'd like with the podcast. Sure. So Vancouver Real Estate Live was born. Now we actually will be drinking beers. Well, this is the thing. With yeah, the and we, we don't drink a lot of beer, but we are going to have some beers. We had some a very some generous tasters. craft tasters. brewery uh, company, I guess, in Vancouver. And, and But just, be, just before we go through that, we should... We should just back up and say we will actually be sitting around this week with Corey Wright, and you can actually engage. You can have a beer with us, uh, ask questions. If you have commercial questions for Corey, we're going to be talking big weed, beer. It's going to be great. How the craft brewery industry is impacting real estate investing. Also, big weed, how it's impacting real estate investing. And then we're going to have our selections for best investments in Vancouver in both the residential and commercial market um really exciting yeah and, and we're also, gonna just start doing these kind of periodically so yeah stay. they are and and i think yeah they, we're gonna be doing them hopefully monthly so keep an eye out for that we'll be announcing them giving you plenty of time giving you plenty of notice and you can head over to youtube but matt we should just quickly mention because this really generous brewery in the city um you, very you close might, to, you might you might be familiar with it i know you, i am yeah exactly it's called east van brewing company they gave us some They're on beers. Venables just just west of commercial. Right. And and these guys gave us a bunch of tasters for tonight. So we're going to be trying the pale ale, the kickstart pale ale. Uh, Matt, you'll probably be drinking the the wheel bite India pale ale, I'm sure. You'll have one of those and I'll oh, yeah. have to carry you home. <laughs> and these are <laughs> start speaking incoherently. It's 7%. Yeah, it is 7%. That will be my first one. That's a yeah, there's, there's cha- a dry hopped beer, there's an English pale ale. Yeah, I'm going to chase that with a humble hive English brown ale. It's going to be this cans, is going to be a good. These cans are beautiful. They're they're like they almost look like tattoo art. It, this this one looks like your lower back. Um Kickstart pale ale. It's got a motorcycle on it. It's uh these are these are beautiful cans. Yeah. <laughs> 
They are beautiful cans. Uh, shout out to Paisley. <laughs> shout out to Paisley from East Van Brewery for dropping these off. Yes. And I can attest, I've uh, had a couple beers in their brewery. It's a great right. place to hang out. But Matt, maybe we should get to our interview with Kyle and Robinson. But before that, we do have a book that we're giving away. And we only have a few more of these books by Larry Beasley That's to give right. away. Signed copies of Vancouverism. We got one going out today. Thanks again for all the people that have sent in reviews. If you're dying to get one of these last copies, all you got to do is go to Google, type in Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. On the right-hand side, you'll see the business profile. You hit review. You review the podcast. You're thrown in the hat, and it's a very good odds that you're going to win because we've sure. given away a lot of these books already. Absolutely, we have. And uh, we're giving away a few more. So go over, get entered into the draw, and you can find out next week if you're a winner. But for now, enjoy our talk with Robinson and Kyle. Enjoy. Okay, so we're here with Kyle Green, owner of the Green Mortgage Team, and Robinson Smith, president of Smith Consulting Group Limited. How are you guys doing? Great. Very well. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for taking the time today, guys. Uh, Kyle, you've been here before. Robinson, First-time guest, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, Victoria is where I live now. I grew up in West Vancouver, just across the water there. Went to high school there and um, was going to go to UBC and SFU, but I got accepted to UVic and said, well, I'm going to UVic because there's a bunch of water between me and my folks. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, sure as heck, about six months after I made that decision, they semi-retired over there, so... Backfired on me, but uh, <laughs> so I transferred back to you. Yes, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. No, I uh, did my my undergrad at uh, UVic, uh, double major in Chinese studies and economics, and spent some time over in China, uh, both studying and uh, working. Most recently, as an investment banker in Beijing, I was there for about three years as vice president, and had enough of a city of fifteen million people. And where you can't see across the highway because of the pollution. So came back in 06 and started working with my dad. And your lungs are recovering. Yes, they are. Thank you very much. <laughs> do, you, do you speak Mandarin? Uh, a little bit of Mandarin. Yeah. yeah. Enough to get, in me, get me into trouble, but not enough to get me out. <laughs> <laughs> so. And, so, and so speaking of your folks, your dad is known as the founder of the Smith Maneuver. Um, can you maybe tell us the story of the Smith Maneuver? Yeah, sure. Uh, back in the mid-80s, my dad was a financial planner, and he says he always got his best ideas in the shower. And uh, one day it came to him uh, how to convert one's mortgage from non-deductible here in Canada to deductible. And that was, that was a, a project he'd been working on for a while, because when he became a financial planner, he, he didn't think that the Americans writing off their mortgage and, and us Canadians not wasn't very fair. So... He read the Tax Act, which is probably a bit thicker than that book you got on the desk there. Larry Beasley's Vancouverism. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the Tax Act is fascinating reading. I tell you what, but yeah, he came up with the uh, the uh, method to make your mortgage tax deductible. And when he came up with that, he went to a number of different banks in Vancouver, uh, all the big banks, and they turned him down because uh, it was a regular what he was proposing. And then one day he says, I got to talk to the head of a bank. So he called up Larry Bell, who was uh, CEO of Van City at the time. And Larry picked up the phone himself and invited Fraser in. And 
at the end of his uh, one-and-a-half-hour meeting, Larry <clears throat> pushed his chair back and asked the question, why isn't every Canadian doing this? So, <clears throat> so they started cooperating and, and uh, putting Fraser's clients into the Smith Maneuver for a great number of years. Uh, Dad pretty much kept the strategy to himself, didn't want his competitors uh, taking all the clients. But then he decided he'd had enough, and, and he wrote the book and published it in 02. Uh, so it, the, the book has been out for a while. It's sold 60,000 copies to date, so it's a bestseller a number of times over. And yet it's, the strategy is, is not hugely known, uh, as well known as I'd like it to be. So, so I started writing my own book, and I, I sold my business uh, about a year and a half ago to focus on publishing the book. It's going to be called Master Your Mortgage for Financial Freedom. And that'll be coming out in about a month and a half or so. And I'm going to spend the rest of my time on the road, public speaking, educating, making sure Canadians know they have the opportunity to make their mortgage tax deductible. Well, it sounds good. So uh, before we get into the, the the details of the Smith Maneuver, maybe, Kyle, we, you've been on the show, fan favorite, but maybe can you just tell us fan a little bit about yourself? Already, hey? Oh, yeah, you're <laughs> sweet. One of the best. One, one of, of the best. best. Um, yeah, so... This November, November 1st, I've been in the business for 13 years, lucky 13. And you're a wow. mortgage broker. Yeah, mortgage broker. Um, started when I was 12 years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually started when I was 19, seriously. Um, and uh, I've, I focused on building a niche uh, around uh, working with real estate investors. So I got set up with a guy named Ozzy Jurok when I was 20 or 21 years old sort of speaking on stage. Um, I remember one frightful afternoon when the other mortgage broker didn't show up. I think he dr- had a little too much to drink the night before and didn't show up. Uh, and Ozzy said, brokers. Oh, <laughs> I know, a wild bunch. you got to watch out for these guys, <laughs> I tell you. Um, and uh, Ozzy said, hey, Kyle, I need you to speak at 1.30. I'm like 20 or 21 years old. I look out. There's 600 people in the room. I'm like, average age is okay. like 55, yeah. probably, or <laughs> at least over 40. Couple of grays, a couple of gray beards in there. Yeah. Um, so we've decided, okay, at lunch, fire it off. Okay, what questions is, is Ozzy's going to ask? I, I, um, I can answer questions, no problem. Uh, just didn't have a PowerPoint presentation or anything like that. So, um, yeah, we fired that off. I had way more people come up to the booth uh, than uh, than normal after that. The jitters are gone and and that really between getting set up with Ozzy in the first place and then um and then doing the public speaking really started to kick off the, the career and specializing in working with real estate investors so now i'm uh, the mortgage broker for a number of different groups like reag uh rain in western canada uh, Keyspire. i speak at uh, another you know a couple of smaller groups like uh, reinvestors on the island and um and just really really working that niche i guess yeah and your fan favorite here a huge fan favorite. <laughs> <laughs> can you uh, can you actually talk a little bit about what is the difference between a mortgage broker that just focuses on everything versus somebody that specializes in investment? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I talk about how it's important to plan from property number one, um, understanding where you want to be. It's very important to know: Are you planning on buying one or two rental properties, or do you want to buy ten? Those those require different structures. So, if you want to buy ten or more, maybe you should be considering a corporate structure. Maybe that there are some tax advantages to the economies of scale and and whatnot. Um, and uh, and le- understanding how to build it from right from the beginning, even your your primary residence and how you set that up is really really key. 
Another area where I've really been able to blow people away, and um, and this is getting a little bit more into the tax side of things and utilizing that Smith Maneuver conversation, is showing people how they can uh, save money in tax. And I'm not an accountant, um, so I can't tell them specific advice, but I can run really quick numbers and say, hey, if you do this, you might be able to save 800 bucks a year in, in tax, go talk to your accountant. So easy example, I had a, um, I had a client who had a ICBC settlement for $100,000, was going to use that and buy a rental property. We showed just taking that hundred grand, paying down her mortgage, reborrowing the money back out, because now we show a paper trail showing the money's been borrowed to invest. And just that really simple maneuver is $800 a year, and it, the number slowly decreases over time. But we're talking thousands of, of, of uh, dollars saved in interest over, the, uh, over a lifespan. Right. So, so that's a, a fantastic segue to to kind of go back to to Robinson here and and talk about what exactly the Smith maneuver is. Yeah, the so as I mentioned, the Americans can deduct the interest on their mortgage, and that that gives them uh, a huge advantage uh, over Canadians. We are unable to do so. However, we do get that capital gains exemption when we sell our principal residence. The Americans don't. But with the Smith Maneuver, we get the best of both worlds because we can start to deduct the interest on our mortgage, which, as Kyle was talking about earlier, uh, saves hundreds if not thousands of dollars a year in tax. Uh, And we also get the capital gains exemption, so upon sale of our principal residence. But effectively, what the Smith Maneuver is, is if we're set up appropriately with the right type of financing, and Kyle, uh, the mortgage broker, obviously will be able to talk to that, um, we need a readvanceable mortgage. And basically what a readvanceable mortgage allows is it's, it's an agreement by your lender to say, we will always allow you to owe us the same amount of money that we initially are willing to lend you. So if I've got a mortgage payment of $3,000, and that happens each and every month, I can take whatever amount of principal is reduced by that payment. So let's say it's $2,000 the first month. That mortgage balance goes from $300,000, let's say, down $2,000. Well, I can reborrow that $2,000 from the line of credit portion of this mortgage. And I can do whatever I want with this $2,000. I can make a Lexus payment. I can go on vacation. I can throw it in the fireplace, right? Vegas. Mm-hmm. Vegas. <laughs> See, when I was younger, yes. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> um, but what we want to do is we want to invest that money. And a number of fantastic things happen. And we do this every month. Each and every month with that regular mortgage payment, we're able to reborrow whatever principal is reduced and get it invested. And a number of good things happen. Firstly, because we're borrowing to invest with a reasonable expectation of generating income, Revenue Canada allows us to deduct the interest we pay on that borrowing from our income. Therefore, <clears throat> if we've been paying tax every uh, off our paycheck every two weeks or whatever the case may be, we end up getting a nice, fat, juicy refund check at the end of the year. So we're improving our cash flow with this Smith Mover. Secondly, what we do with that tax refund, that's up to us. But if we're following the program, what we do is we take that refund each year that otherwise we wouldn't have received, and we make a mortgage prepayment with that that money. And again, whatever that uh, prepayment amount is, we can borrow that back and invest it as well. So each and every month, this is the plain Jane Smith maneuver scenario, each and every month we're reborrowing with the expectation of generating income, therefore we can deduct the interest. And that uh, subsequent tax refund, we're also prepaying that mortgage and getting it invested as well. So a mortgage with, the, with an amortization of 25 years, let's say, 
is paid out much quicker because we're able to prepay that mortgage on an annual basis. So we're improving our cash flow with the tax breaks. We're getting rid of that expensive non-deductible mortgage debt much quicker than otherwise. And perhaps most importantly, we're starting to save for our future, for our retirement right now. What is conventional practice in Canada, because of limited dollars on a monthly basis, people have to make the decision, am I going to concentrate on paying out my mortgage, which has taken a huge chunk of my paycheck each and every month, or am I going to save for my retirement, which everybody knows we need to do. But that decision is made for us, not by us, because if we don't make a mortgage payment, we're going to get a knock on the door. The lender's going to come. They're going to want our house. But if we do not save for our retirement, no one comes looking for us. So we focus on that mortgage. We make that mortgage payment for 25, 30 years at the expense of saving for our retirement. So we're not taking advantage of compound growth. So what happens is we, as we see all too often, we've got these senior citizens or people approaching senior citizens uh, age signing up for a reverse mortgage. Now, reverse mortgages are, are, are great if you need it, if you find yourself in that position. We're thankful they're there. Who else is going to lend to an unemployed senior citizen, right? Nobody. But there are lenders who will, and that's a great solution for people who need it now. But the idea is, let's not put ourselves in a position where we do need it. So these people have, have paid off their mortgage diligently over the course of 25 or 30 years, and have found themselves in a position where they can't afford uh, where they're living or they, they can't afford the cost of life, and so they have to start selling the house back to the bank. I know that's a simplified definition sure. of a reverse mortgage, but effectively, that's what we're seeing. And reverse mortgage uptake is, what, increasing 30% year on year. It's, it's crazy. So the Smith Maneuver, what it allows you to do is allows you to get rid of that non-deductible mortgage much faster than otherwise. It allows you to improve your cash flow and allows you to start taking advantage of compound growth by investing now, not in 2015, 20, 25 years, but now. So in terms of the, the types of investments, are, what are the, are there restrictions to, so you take, so you have say a, a HELOC, like a home equity line of credit or the STEP program at Scotiabank, you pull that money out. What are the restrictions to how you can use that money uh, in order to to get that the tax right off. yeah, yeah. Um, there there's not a lot of restrictions as I said there, there has to be a reasonable expectation for generating income so a lot of people will think well each and every month if, month if I've got two thousand dollars to invest I want to buy gold bullion I'm a gold bug that's what I like well that doesn't work because you you can't expect income to come from a bar of gold so it's, you know, but you can invest in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, your business, somebody else's business, investment real estate. There's any number of options out there, but there are certain things you can't. And raw land is, is also another one that you can't reasonably expect to generate income from in certain cases. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends. Are you going to uh, have a business storing boats uh, over the wintertime to generate income then? So there's, there's a number of things that you can't invest in, but there's a great number of things that you can. And that is up to you and your advisor. You know, you invest what you're comfortable with. Um, don't go crazy. This is not, uh, you know, this is you saving each and every month for your family's future. So 
as Kyle said, go to Vegas. No, <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> but uh, but what you want to do is make sure that you're investing in something that's solid, that's going to grow, um, and and be there for you when you need it. And so so just thinking about the stock market, it has to pay dividends. Then, if I understand, a reasonable expectation. So there are there are. Um, there are stocks out there uh, and mutual funds, for example, which don't have a mandate to pay out distributions or dividends, but they have the possibility that they could. So even a fund which typically doesn't send out uh, quarterly or annual dividends, they do have the ability, should they decide, to send out uh, an extraordinary dividend. And in that case, uh, even if it hasn't, if it's got the ability to or the option to, then you can still write off that investment, the interest from that investment. So, so uh, and I, I have a bunch of questions about this, but uh, one thought that comes to mind is this seems like an obviously a smart thing to be doing. I would imagine that the percentage of people actually utilizing this Smith maneuver is still quite low in Canada. Do you have some pushback from people uh, in terms of the idea of over leveraging or what, what, what kind of pushback do you hear all the time? Yeah, the, well, there's <clears throat> one of them is, uh, and a lot of people feel this way. Your home is not an investment. It's where you live. And I, I can understand that, but there are also a lot of people who would say, if I'm spending 25 years living in this asset, which has hundreds of thousands of dollars of equity in it, and it's earning me 0%, what's my real rate of return? Well, it's negative. You're losing out to inflation. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, you know, there are people who are very conservative, and they feel that their home is where they live, not an investment. And that's fine. If it's not for them, it's not for them. Um, another pushback, well, it's, it's, it's mainly the fact that we're holding our debt constant. Because if you think about it, if I'm borrowing back whatever I pay down on that mortgage, if I have a $300,000 mortgage the day I buy my house, I'm going to have a $300,000 line of credit balance the day I die because I've pulled it out to invest. And it's typically the the older generations who have this this fear of debt. I mean, they've been raised and being told by everybody, debt is bad. Don't get any debt. If you have to pay it off as soon as you can, don't ever get any more. And so there's this mentality that, um, that debt is debt. And that is certainly not the case. We know there's good debt and we know there's bad debt, right? Good debt is tax deductible debt. Bad debt is non, uh, non-tax deductible. And as real estate investors know very well, if I borrow to invest in real estate, I can deduct the interest on that, on that mortgage for my investment property. Uh, the, the cost of borrowing is lower. I'm buying an asset, which is going to appreciate in, balance, in value. And one of the things I find really fascinating, I was an investment advisor for about 12 years. And one of the things that's very interesting is I'd meet people and they've got uh, a line of credit secured by the house or just a line of credit that's not secured by the house. And they've borrowed money to buy a car. They've borrowed money to go on vacation. They've borrowed money over the years to eat uh, out at restaurants, whatever the case may be. And then when I say, okay, what about borrowing money to invest? Oh, no, 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 right? <laughs> Stocks are risky. Uh, I don't like mutual funds. I don't like the market. I don't like the way the, mar- the world is going. War is going to break out in the Middle East any second now. And there's a hurricane, all this stuff, bad stuff happening. Well, bad stuff has been happening forever. And the markets have done nothing but go up. Hiccups, yes. Corrections, yes. 
but not once in, in history have the markets failed to go higher than they were just before they, they took a correction. So there's this, there's this belief that borrowing to buy consumer items like a car, an asset which is going to depreciate in value, guaranteed, mm-hmm. which is not tax deductible, that borrowing, that's okay. And I will borrow a car against my house. But to borrow to buy an investment which is going to increase in value, which is tax deductible, I don't feel good about that. So it's an education process. And the younger people, when it comes to maintaining your total debt, they're, they're more accepting of that. They've, they've grown up with debt. I mean, life has gotten more expensive. And so they understand that. And when, when, we, ex- when we explain the difference uh, between deductible and non-deductible debt and what you're buying with that borrowing, they start to get it because they're already of the mentality that I'm going to be in debt for the rest of my life. It might as well be deductible and it might as well be debt that has caused my net worth to improve. Right. So, so those are a couple of things that, uh, that we face. And it's just education and getting people. I mean, inertia is a powerful thing. Like I told you, if, if they've been told all our life that debt is bad and all debt is the same, then that's a tough one to get get past them but uh but education hopefully my new book master your mortgage for financial freedom is going to explain that to people and at least cause them to start thinking about the two types of debt one that works for you one that doesn't well it's just amazing just thinking about this idea of being mortgage free and how powerful an idea that is and and what you're saying is you never want to be mortgage free Right. Yeah, I never want to be more. I never want to be mortgage free. I think a lot of Canadians should want to never be mortgage free. Certainly, there are Canadians which they're just going to sleep better at night if they are. And I totally get that. And if that's who you are, then that's who you are. That's the way you don't want to. You don't want to be, you know, have a net worth of a million and a half dollars and not be able to sleep at night. Right. So, it's it's a balance there. But really, um, it's. It's critical to understand that if we do not participate in the economy, if we do not invest, if we do not start saving for our future, we're going to be in trouble. And we see that across Canada. So my job here is to get out and let Canadians know that there is a way that they can start to improve their financial condition, and it doesn't cost them anything to do it. It doesn't cost anything more on a monthly basis than what they're already outlaying each month for their mortgage. Kyle, I, I just want to bring you back in here for a second, because last time you were on the show, you talked about real estate as an investment and why you like real estate as mm-hmm. an investment. Can you talk a little bit about that just for people that are kind of on the fence about investing in real estate? Yep. Um, I usually start this off by explaining how you typically make money in real estate. It's typically three ways, and there's, a, there's actually a fourth in there too, but the three ways are cash flow, mortgage pay down and appreciation. And the fourth is forced appreciation. So we sometimes call that sweat equity, you know, swinging the hammer, putting, putting some money into your place. Um, those three ways, if you look at it, most people focus on cash flow and appreciation. So cash flow, if you buy property with 20% down, maybe not in Vancouver, it might be a bit tough to put some money in your jeans at the end of the day. But in, in general, a lot of the time you can find property that, uh, that will at least cover off your mortgage payments or put a little bit of cash in your pocket. There's the appreciation. I'm surprised you're not saying green in your jeans. Green in your yeah. jeans. Hey, I like that one. Anybody have a pen? Yeah. <laughs> I think you can remember that one, Kyle. Yeah, I think I, I, think I can. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, Continue. Yeah. No, I like it. I yeah. like it. Thank you. Um, there's the uh, the appreciation part, which this is probably the one of the biggest av- um, aspects of, of investing in real estate is the leverage. So, um, 
when you buy real estate, you get ideally a mortgage for up to 80% of the property value, which means that if the property value goes up by 1%, your return on investment is actually five times that is 5% because you leveraged forfeit or you've leveraged that money five times over. So let's say that you buy something for a million dollars because we're in Vancouver, right? (laughs) (laughs) One bedroom condo. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, Buy a million dollar condo, put 20% down, so $200,000 down. If the property value goes up by 10%, your return on investment is not 10%. It's actually 50% because you made $100,000 on your $200,000 investment. That's a really important key. So when we look at, at modeling real estate moving forward, I usually use an annual appreciation of about 3%, which is under what we've seen for the average uh, for the last 25 years. The average has been closer to 6% per year. Um, but use 3% annual appreciation per year. So right away, buying a rental property, putting 20% down, forget about cash flow. Let's not even talk about mortgage, uh, mortgage pay down, which is a really important piece. Um, right there, you're getting about a, th- a 15% annual appreciation just from um, or return on investment from appreciation. The one that I really want to talk about, though, is the mortgage pay down. So a lot of people think, well, I can't find cash flow in Vancouver. Okay. I don't know if the market's going to appreciate in Vancouver. Okay. Maybe not short term. Now let's look at the mortgage pay down. So just putting 20% down payment, have your tenant cover your expenses for you and pay down your mortgage for you, having no appreciation, your your return on investment from the mortgage being paid down by your tenant is about 75 to 9% per year. So when I do a, a speaking engagement, I usually ask the room, so who here is getting 75 to 9% per year consistently in their stock portfolio? Because that's a nice consistent number you're going to get every year. And there's always one in every 50 people put up their hand and say, I am. And this is a room full of investors, by the way. Yeah, you know? right. So not a lot of people are getting that kind of return. And that's a really nice, solid, solid return. Not to mention there's less volatility in real estate. Um, you know, it's a piece of dirt. Uh, people need to live somewhere. Um, you know, it's it's a really nice, stable, uh, stable investment. Uh, probably the one downside versus stocks is just a little less, well, not a little less, it, it's less liquid, right? Um, and that's why it's important as you build a real estate portfolio that you need to maintain liquidity at the same time that you build real estate because you may need liquidity for whatever reason. Right, right. Just thinking about real estate investing and utilizing the the money from, say, your principal residence, like two things that just strike me is one, uh, and and just interest rate environment. Does that? How does that impact, if at all, the this strategy? The uh, certainly it it does impact uh, the strategy. Firstly. On a, on a couple of fronts, we've got we're dealing with the mortgage, principal residence mortgage. This is setting aside any investment real estate, but we've we've got a, a mortgage rate that we're paying down, and we've got a line of credit rate which we're paying on the on the monthly borrowing. So generally, uh, it, it's interesting because we think intuitively that the lower the rate on our mortgage, the better off we are implementing the Smith maneuver. But it's it's the inverse: the higher the rate you pay, the better off the results. So, so right now with the, the low rates we're seeing, that, that means the, the results from the Smith Maneuver are, are very good, but they're going to get even better as soon as rates rise. Now, <clears throat> there's also the, the fact that we're paying on that line of credit. And a lot of people think that, well, if I'm borrowing from that line of credit to invest and I'm paying 4% on that line, I have to at least make 4% on my investments to break even. Right. 
But that's not the case because the real rate of interest on that line is less than 4% because it's tax deductible. So, I mean, it's 2.8% depending on your tax bracket. Mm -hmm. So now we have to make 2.8% to break even. Well, if we can't do that, then it's over. You're using the wrong advisor. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) So, so, and then, then there's the fact that, okay, well, rates change. What if they go up and up and up and up? Well, uh, my dad, Fraser, developed a Smith maneuver back in, in the early 80s. And we, well, you guys but, might not remember. But we, we've Bucks. heard all the horror stories. We've heard all the horror stories. <laughs> but, you know, rates were double digits. Right. And uh, you can bet your butt that Fraser wouldn't have developed a strategy if it didn't work. Right. And it was working with double-digit rates. And a big part of that is the higher the rate, the bigger your tax deduction. So it's... It's neat the way this, this strategy works in low rates, with, with high rates, um, even low rates of return. Uh, the, the calculator, if I'm coming out with the new Smithman calculator, uh, it'd be available on the website, smithman.net, and you plug in your numbers, and it shows you precisely what you can expect uh, as your results over the course of the uh, traditional amortization period, or the existing amortization period of your mortgage. Uh, and... You can play around with it. You can you can jack the mortgage rate. You can drop the investment return rate, and you can see what your break even is. So it's quite a powerful little tool. I've just plugged in uh, uh, on this on the calculator here. Someone who makes a hundred thousand dollars a year. They've got a seven hundred thousand dollar house that, with a four hundred thousand dollar mortgage at three point five percent. And on the uh, line of credit portion of the mortgage, they're paying four point four five which I think is... Yeah, it's a yeah. standard. Right. So <clears throat> the results... Much better than the mortgage rate, though, just letting you guys know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you're, call a, me, call me. you're <laughs> a magician, Kyle. Yeah, I realize that's a bit high, but yeah, call Kyle. <laughs> but anyways, the, the results here are, you know, we're expecting $81,000 in tax refunds over the course of what would be a 25-year mortgage. We're getting rid of that non-deductible debt in 22 years instead of 25, and we've got a net worth improvement of $225,297, so a quarter million dollars net worth improvement, uh, again, without having to come up with uh, any any additional money on, an, on a monthly basis, other than you're outlaying already for your mortgage payment. That's strictly using the mortgage payment, and there are a number of accelerators that can greatly speed that up. So it's all about the financing. It's all about maintaining discipline. And not getting freaked out when the market's correct, not getting yeah. freaked out when interest rates change. Um, that is uh, by far the biggest mistake people make is, uh, well, apart from the maintaining your discipline and continuing with the program, is, wow, markets are going down, i got to punch out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same old horror story that we hear from, from every experienced investor who's done it at least once in their life. And inexperienced investors who keep on doing it. You know. what, what I'm just thinking here, there's got to be people out there that are trying to think, okay, what are the, what are the downsides? Um, like one that uh, is probably coming to someone's mind out there is uh, credit rating. Does this, you know, drawing down, I know, for instance, with RBC, at least recently, uh, if you had a HELOC of, say, Five hundred or six hundred thousand dollars that you weren't using that was potentially negatively impacting your borrowing power with them they they switched it right now does this how does this impact 
I guess your your credit rating, if at all, and your ability to to borrow. Yeah. So the the way the credit bureau works is they look at your available limit and the balance that you're borrowing on that limit. So if you have a credit line for three hundred thousand dollars and you're borrowing a hundred grand on it, it's it's not really going to hurt your credit. If you're borrowing the maximum of it, then you might find that your credit rating will take a little bit of a hit, but the um, the impact of that if all of your other credit is good it's very minimal you know if you're making your payments on time you don't really have to worry about maxing out your one home equity line of credit um yeah i I mean at the end of the day i think that it's important to look at the full picture and what you're trying to do um if you're trying to qualify for more debt in the future a lot of lenders now are using the line of credit limit to qualify you instead of the balance. Yeah. Right. Which is the, it's, it's just here. Okay. So tangent time. <laughs> so you can have a hundred thousand dollars in credit card debt and you can buy Ikea furniture on that credit card debt. Now the, the lenders don't use the line of credit limit on your unsecured debt, but for some reason your secured debt, the secured by your house they have to use, or they, a lot of lenders now have to use the line of credit limit to calculate your debt service ratio. Your credit score could be perfect, and they would still have to use that. So I get off my soapbox now, but um, it's, it's a really silly rule. I have seen that one come and go. So it, you know, TD had it a few years ago, and then they removed it, and then they came out with it again. So not every bank does that. Here's the challenge, though, is if if you don't have that money available, then you're not investing anyways, right? You have to, if, you, if you're going to be investing, you have to have that money available. And so we try to, and, and this is where my business points me in different directions. I use one bank a bunch, and then next year that bank is not, any, not good anymore. They have a new policy. Oh, now my business diverts to a new lender and it's changing all the time. So um, these, uh, these lines of, of credit uh, issues are, are fre- kind of new, um, probably 12 months ago, I'd say, nine to 12 months ago. They've come out. But but it sounds like if you wanted to be safe on on the the credit rating front as well, if you had the borrowing ability of up to say two hundred K, you do hundred and sixty, right? Yeah. Uh, as opposed to just maxing it every month. Yeah, and unless you're a real estate investor, how much credit do you really need once you get this big line of credit set up? Yeah. You've got a couple hundred thousand dollars. Worst case scenario, you go for a car loan. Sorry, you're not approved for the six percent car loan. Oh yeah, I'll just borrow it from my line of credit four and a half, <laughs> yeah. right? You know, so and I don't think it's even applying to car loans or credit cards, anyways. It's just mortgage qualifications. So frankly, it's it's hurting our real estate investors who do need that money accessible and available to them. Um, but again, there are ways around that. Yeah, and with with the Smith maneuver, if if my lender is willing to give me a three hundred thousand dollar total loan, I start out with a line of credit limit of zero. I can only access the equity once I pay it down on that non-deductible side. Now, of course, if you've got a million-dollar house and you only owe $300,000 on it, you're going to have a lot of equity available to you. Um, so there's, as Kyle says, there are ways around this, uh, not necessarily around it, but there's, there's, there's ways to protect your credit. There's ways to access what you need for what you need. Uh, but it all comes down to, to being reasonable. You know, mm-hmm. and and being responsible, uh, and knowing what you want. I mean, I I came across a guy many years ago 
uh, I was interviewing him to become a client, and I looked at his, his uh, information sheet, and I asked him why his $30,000 balance on his credit card was exactly the same as his $30,000 limit. And I was expecting to hear him say, well, life's expensive. I can only afford to make the, the minimum payment each month. But what he said was, with all these banks willing to give me money, I'd be an idiot not to take it, <laughs> right? That, was, that debt was costing him 1000 bucks a month just for the privilege of continuing to owe someone money. Yeah. So it's all, about, it's all about education. It's about understanding money, the way credit works, and uh, not overextending yourself, but also not being too conservative. Because the more conservative we are, the, the, the less chance we have of a successful retirement. Sometimes I'll ask the question, if we, if you get a line of credit, will you use it for investing or will you use it to buy consumer goods? And for for me, most of my clients are investors. They're pretty good with their, their money. They're pretty disciplined. But um, for some of our clients, we're like, well, I might not want to have it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, I don't trust okay, myself. Perfect. Right? Yeah, yeah, honestly, a lot of people, I just don't trust myself. And a lot of the strategies, if you can't trust yourself with it, then don't take it. That's probably the one potential downside is... If you're going to use it for the wrong reasons, the non-tax deductible reasons, then don't don't take it. Just get a regular mortgage. Right. Right. Robinson, can we talk a little bit uh, about some of the investments that you're excited about or maybe some of the investments that kind of lend themselves to this maneuver? Yeah. Um, the, the plain Jane Smith maneuver, which is just making uh, your regular mortgage payment work for you, we're looking at maybe $700, $1,200 a month that you have access to to invest. So with that, you're not, you know, 1200 bucks. you're not going to run out and go get a piece of investment real estate, right? But uh, there's any number of things you can do with that. Mutual funds, set up automatic uh, purchases of mutual funds. There's ETFs. There's individual stocks that you may like and be comfortable with. Uh, there's there's REITs you can get into uh, investment real estate that way. Um, if you are geared towards uh, investment real estate, uh, it doesn't take long once you're putting a thousand bucks a month to generate uh, have a, a, your asset pool accrue to thirty grand or forty grand, fifty grand, and and sell your mutual funds, your stocks, whatever you've invested in, and then call Kyle and say I'm ready. You know, put me into something. Um, so there's any number of things. Like I said, what what is what I'm starting to get into now personally um, is, and this is by no means a recommendation. I'm no longer a licensed advisor. <laughs> disclaimer, uh, disclaimer. Yeah. Disclaimer, disclaimer. <laughs> um, but I'm getting into alternative lending, um, mm-hmm. and you know we're seeing some, uh, you know, 18, 16, 18 percent uh, yields on on some of the some of the deals I'm looking at. Now, granted, as Kyle will probably tell you, the higher the yield. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> yes. yeah. I was like, holy cow, that's yeah. a high yield. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, lots, lots uh, of similar mortgage investments for uh, less risky yields. But it all depends on who you are, what, what, uh, what resources you have, what's your risk tolerance, how long do you have until you're going to need to start pulling from your investments, etc. Um, so that's, that's what I'm starting to get into. Another one that, uh, that, uh, I'm quite excited about is trees. Um, about five years ago, I met a woman named Wendy Burton and she started world tree technologies and she sells, uh, acreage 
uh, of trees. So you can buy an acre or five acres of trees called the Empress tree. And they'll plant, they plant have plantations in Costa Rica, Guatemala, the southern states. And after 10 years, when the tree matures, you, you share in the profits from harvest. But the nice thing about this is, I think it's five acres and you've offset your carbon footprint for, for 50 years. So it's feel-good investing. It's long money, but, uh, but it's feel-good investing. So I just wanted to give a shout-out to Wendy because it's fantastic. Tree farms. Tree farms. Huh. Yeah, trees. I was not expecting that one. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's well, cool. I am from the West Coast. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot of hippies out there, I tell you. That, that actually, that, no, I like this idea of feel-good investing. Yeah. Uh, why don't you do any? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Matt, Matt invests feel good money. I do, I do. I feel good about all sorts of investing. Uh, it, maybe just thinking about alt- alternate lending, private lending, like Kyle, you're doing a lot of that right now uh, yeah, before we went on. Can you kind of talk maybe a little bit more about that and, and why you see that as an opportunity right now and, and what those opportunities look like? Yeah. Um, a lot of our real estate investors, because the uncertainty in the uh, in the market locally, people still want to have their money in real estate. But instead of purchasing the assets, not knowing where the values were heading, um, a lot of the guys are shifting into uh, into debt now. So um, now that values have corrected, people feel that we're flattening out a little bit, and and there's less risk in in lending on current market values. Um, so a, a private mortgage would be somebody who. A borrower might not qualify with their own bank for a number of different reasons. They might not have the right income. Um, they um, they usually have a significant down payment, but they just don't qualify with the bank for whatever reason. And in general, the interest rates that somebody will pay for this is between 6 and 9% for a first mortgage and about 9 to 12% for a second mortgage. And if you're doing Wild Wild West stuff, like our friend Robinson over here, then you're doing 16 18% stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, you know, and Speaking again, about going to Vegas, eh, yeah, Kyle? I know, right? The, the borrower hasn't worked in twenty years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> professional poker player, yeah. private mortgage, private mortgage. I don't want to know the history. What's the yield? <laughs> exactly. So the difference in private lending versus a bank mortgage is a private lender assumes that you will default, and a major bank does everything they can during underwriting to eliminate the risk of you defaulting. So a private lender will will look at what's the value of the property and and where is it, what type of property is it, and how much are we lending on it. So in this marketplace, it's the sweet spot for most private lenders is 65% of the value of the property or less. Um, they'll go up to 75%, maybe 80% for the right property. Um, and uh, that's for first or second mortgages. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's providing a, a solution. Um, I had an investor who... Actually, this is a good example because it actually ties into the Smith Maneuver too. Um, had a, uh, a client who needed money, and we tied them in with an investor. The loan was for about $680,000. Between the lender fee and the, uh, the interest rate, uh, the APR to the investor was 12.5%, and he borrowed the whole thing off of his line of credit at 4.5%. So literally, not even using his own money, he just shifted the money that he, that he was borrowing at four and a half into money. He was paying him twelve and a half, and he creates an eight percent spread on six hundred eighty thousand dollars, which is about fifty grand in one year. 
that's what <laughs> a median income in Vancouver yeah. is, you know, just, right. just not even using money you have saved up. It's just your home equity and just swapping it out. And that uh, particular deal was only about 67% loan to value. So pretty reasonable. Um, the borrower himself, you know, was a bit weaker and that's why the APR is a bit higher on that deal. Um, and uh, now the investor's getting paid out. We're replacing it with, uh, with another mortgage now and he's got, he's got his money back after a year. It's oh. incredible. Are there options? So a lot of people, if they feel like they have a low risk tolerance, they don't want to go into private lending. But can you be a little bit more conservative with private lending? Oh, and, sure. and how yeah. do you approach that? Yeah, there's a few different ways. So you can be a private lender, you do a one off deal. So you say, okay, I, I'd like to lend to that individual. And we do a lot of that. There's also lending uh, into what's called a MIC, a mortgage investment corporation. So you're essentially a shareholder in a pool of funds. And this spreads your risk over a large number of properties. Um, so generally, a MIC is going to be anywhere from six to 8% return per year. Um, and uh, so it's a little bit of a, a lower risk, uh, but you're not sure exactly what they're lending on usually they have some kind of policy on this is the type of deal that we're typically going to do and they they should be following that um you can also just you know and and our investors actually pick the type of lending they'd like to do so in order to sign up with us uh, they fill in details and say i want to lend up to x percent loan to value i want to lend to this type of client in this area on detached homes or condos or both or whatever um, and they'll select the type of risk tolerance they have, and then we only send them deals that fit that that profile. So we're not sending them a bunch of stuff. Um, and you can do 50% loan-to-value financing if you want to. Um, but we also have some guys who say, hey, you know what, Kyle, I want a 15% yield on my money. Okay, well, we're going to do some higher-risk stuff. And you're actually connecting, so you're actually helping people in this way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're connecting the borrowers to the to the lenders. Wow. It's pretty cool. Yeah. What, what, and, and not to, I, I feel like I was, uh, I bypassed those, the trees, but, uh, what type of returns <laughs> are you getting on those trees? Well, they're, they're pretty good returns. They're tough to calculate right now. I mean, it's a 10 year hold. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, I think there's something like, uh, $140,000 gets, uh, gets split depending on the price per board foot uh, between the uh, investor, the world tree, and the farmer. So, one to five k investment. So, wow. Go check it out for yourself. This is coming off the top of my head here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, but I I buy at least an acre every year. So, and, and one thing I was just thinking about uh, that we haven't talked about, but a lot of people out there that have uh, that are aspiring real estate investors are going to have a home equity line of credit or the potential for one. They're going to have some personal debt and they're going to have an aspiration to own something else and, and potentially use the Smith maneuver. Does that, the calculator you're working on, can you, can you plug in personal debt rates? Absolutely. Yeah. And then figure out, okay, what does it make sense to pay down my own personal debt? You can, you can plug in anything. Or uh, unsecured debt, I should say. Yeah. You can, you can plug in, uh, unsecured debt. You may have lines of credit, credit cards, and you can consolidate that onto the existing mortgage balance that you have that you've plugged in. So it gives you new mortgage balance. You can preserve deductible debt that you may have, which, uh, if you have room borrowing uh, power against your house, you can uh, preserve that on the line of credit. So maybe you start out with the ten thousand dollars line of ba- line of credit balance because you had a ten k unsecured that you used to invest. So you can consolidate. You can preserve 
Uh, you can uh, you can plug in uh, debt swap assumptions, cash flow diversion assumptions, cash flow dam, which is something that's going to be of interest to, to your listeners. Uh, uh, the drip accelerator, the prime, the pump accelerator. So five different accelerators, every which one of them is going to improve your results and possibly see you out of your 25-year mortgage in nine years or so. Wow, that's phenomenal. Maybe maybe shifting gears here a bit, I think, maybe moving on to um, some questions. for. Uh, we got a question for a millennial um, audience <laughs> member out there. Um, we have a lot of millennials that listen to the program. Well, well no, and Kyle is the, oh, yeah, is the Kyle, ultimate Kyle, uh, driven millennial. millennial. He's not 19 anymore, Matt. <laughs> no, <laughs> but but he is a wildly successful yeah. young oh, yeah, guy. You are, in his you young are, 30s. A, yeah, you are a millennial, and and I don't know what the generation after the millennials is called, but we've got some listeners in that generation now too. Mm-hmm. Um, but what advice do you have? And I mean, Kyle, maybe you're you're the best to answer this right off the hop. But what advice do you have for smart, driven millennials about to enter the real world? Um, and maybe what what advice should they ignore as well? Wow, that's a really open question. So you're talking about um, financial advice, no, I suppose. Love life. <laughs> love life? <laughs> Got a lot of advice on that one, yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's just important to not... I see people buying... Um, depreciating assets too early. That's the biggest thing. So when I'm looking at somebody's situation, it's almost always a car loan that's just, you know, they're saddled with it and they can't save money because of the car loan. And and buying the depreciating assets before the appreciating ones is probably the biggest issue. So if you have any core piece of advice, it's save up your money, buy the appreciating assets, whether that's stocks or real estate or trees. <laughs> um, I don't like the lack of liquidity for a millennial, but hey, it's okay. Um, but, uh, but, buying, um, but buying appreciating assets first, because then by the time you're 40, you can go out and buy the Porsche, man. You got enough assets, you can back it up, right? But just be a little patient. You don't need the Porsche now, millennials. I'm speaking to you. <laughs> can have it when you're 40 um when you're going through your midlife crisis that's yeah. a completely different phase you could robinson you want to speak oh, to that no. i'm sure yeah <laughs> that's, no. hey, that's no. the next question yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's probably the core i would say that that's probably the easiest piece of advice just don't get saddled with payments on depreciating assets so so rent the porsche for the instagram photo <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly yeah uh maybe and i this is a real estate for you, definitely, Kyle. Uh, but for Robinson, what are some bad recommendations or bad advice that you hear in the world of investing all the time that you're like, man, if I could wipe out one piece of advice out there or something that doesn't make sense? Well, I, in my former life as an investment advisor, I, it was beaten into me that if you are not someone's advisor you are not allowed to advise. Uh, So I tend to stay away from talking about uh, investment options for individuals or when I'm speaking to the general public. I leave that to people who are also on stage with me like the investment advisors. Right. Um, And as far as what is bad advice, I'm kind of wary of that question because I will hear someone say, uh, you should invest in this, and I may cringe but I'm not the person that that person is talking to. I'm not the audience. And what may not be for me may be for somebody else. Uh, 
so, so I tend to stay away from what's good advice, what's bad advice on actual investment types. That is the decision for the individual and their investment advisor. But I will say uh, to the millennials, uh, I totally agree with Kyle 100%. But I'd also add, you know, stress that just start putting something away each and every month. Start mm-hmm. now. I mean, this is, this is what I wish I had done when I was, when I was a kid and I started making money from my busboy job or whatever. Just put money away and you'll be thankful that you did. Well, I, I've been watching over the course of about three weeks, and uh, this is kind of embarrassing that it's taken me this long, but there's uh, HBO has this documentary on Warren Buffett, and yeah. one of the things that he s- says just as a flippant kind of... As a throwaway? Yeah, as a throwaway. He's like, I've just, I'm, just re- I'm really good at uh, compounding money. That's mm-hmm. what I'm good at. Yeah. And it makes me think about a lot of both those pieces of advice, like the idea of good debt and bad debt, basically, and... And having the time to to make that money really work for you, and that is, you know, we talk about time in the market, time in the market, but it is at the end of the day all about having the horizon to to make the, yeah. the money work. I mean, there's in the newspaper they always have those uh, those scenarios where some investment advisor is asked to consult on a on a, a couple's current situation. You know, they're 55 years old. Right. Uh, and they got such and such debt and car loans, et cetera. What should they do to prepare for retirement? And I, I just think, man, if if everyone started when they were 18 or 20 or 15 years old when they got their first job and just put a couple of bucks away, no one would be in this position. You right. Know? Mm-hmm. You, wouldn't, you wouldn't have to go down that road. You wouldn't have these worries. Right. So you guys are both very successful people. Um, this is a new question. But in the last five years... What new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? Kyle's will be not giving out your cell phone number. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Kyle's yeah. actually, his Calendly or whatever is now, he's just got 30, 60, and 90 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, how long do you want to talk to me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was a big, uh, big upgrade for sure. Um, <laughs> on the personal side, I would say um, I've taken fitness a little bit more seriously like i'm only 30 but at the end of the day I, f- I found that trying to get back into it the metabolism is really slow and it took some time it took like i remember working out five days a week eating really healthy for about five or six months i'm like at some point this is gonna <laughs> yeah, what, what this is gonna going off, on man that's that's my stick life stick <laughs> to the plan stick to the plan right and then all of a sudden a few months after that it was just like it was falling off and i like you know got back in shape and it took some time, but it's so important to be in that right mindset. You're more focused. You, you think more clearly. Um, and if you're in a sales position or whatever, you attract more people too, you know? And I think that's an underrated aspect to it. So, um, I think that the, the fitness aspect really has changed my life and it's, um, and it's, it's something that I really now have to make a point you know we we're talking about investing and and uh, how to make more money and how to have more wealth um how about health i remember right. hearing um i can't remember who it was now that that said this but it's very interesting to see that so many people when they're young focus so much on wealth at the expense of their health and then when they get older, they, they throw it. so much of their wealth towards their health. I think that was the Dalai Lama. It was, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was, 
I didn't want to say it because I didn't want to be wrong, but I, now that you're saying I it, I misquote sure. him all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I, I think that's a really important quote, and uh, why not do both? Right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Kyle, I'd like to congratulate you on getting down to 230 pounds. You're looking great. <laughs> oh, hey, th- we got cameras now? Okay, yeah. People are watching this oh, live. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Robinson, uh, same question. Has there been anything in the last five years that has really improved your life? Well, I think it's been a bit longer than five years, but it's not too much longer. I I used to live from a point where I need to compete to get ahead. I need to <clears throat> I need to fight. Um, there are others out there who want what I want, and that has that has flipped. And now I I, I guess I operate from a place where. If you, if you help someone else, if you see somewhere you can help them without expecting anything in return, that comes back to you. It's amazing how it comes back to you and not just from that person. Right. It comes from, it starts coming from everybody. And, and pretty soon everybody's just helping everybody else and the rising tide thing, you know. Plus it's just stressful living, living from a point of, uh, you know, competition. So, mm-hmm. so operate with with the goal of um, if I see I can help someone somewhere no matter what it is offer it and it's it's a quite quite a neat way to live so mm-hmm. eh, inspiring Very also inspiring. the, uh, the I, I'm still thinking about these trees so it's only 5k <laughs> and there is actually no but yeah. using the maneuver there's is there income potentially generated there? I don't know. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. At the end, right? Uh, at the end, the the income actually the the investment in the company there's uh, opportunity to earn dividends. So hmm. there you go. As always, you check with your accountant for any yeah. specific <laughs> investment. <laughs> of, course, of course. Well, maybe we should. Uh, you want to do the five wire? You guys yeah, have yeah, time yeah. to stick around for five rapid style questions that sure. are increasingly less rapid. Sounds good. <laughs> so uh, question number one, we'll start with Kyle. Favorite neighborhood in Vancouver? I say Canby Village. I still kind of, I, I like that area. Um, nice. The All the transit lines are converging in that little pocket. And, um, and it's still a little quaint area. Girlfriend loves the coffee shops around there. So I, I like it. Yeah. We just got our new our new office space at Canby and 8th and uh, the amount of restaurants and you can actually eat clean over there not that I do but, but I aspire to <laughs> but you can yeah. oh, good, good. <laughs> but you can it's the intention that counts right yeah. Yeah. how about you Robinson uh, my favorite part of town is wherever Kyle is really <laughs> uh, actually well I'm from Victoria so I don't spend a whole lot of time in Vancouver anymore but uh, I have uh, had a few meetings in Yale Town recently neat neat little place to be and uh, grew up in West Vancouver, but haven't been back there for a long time. So, so I'd say Yale Town. It's good. Tough, one. tough to beat. Tough to beat. Favorite bar or restaurant? I think last time, Kyle, you said Whole Foods. Whole Foods. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure. I'm working from memory. Yeah, yeah. He, did, he didn't say Whole Foods. Did he? No, I think he I did. Think I, may I think have. he said I think something I may about have. the sandwiches in the deli being good. They are licensed. No, no sandwiches, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. no bread. No bread. Oh, no. no bread. I'm on a, uh, a keto diet right now. Well, actually, oh. I should say right now for two years. And so um, heading back actually from, uh, from fitness after uh, driving all the way from downtown down to Richmond because my girlfriend's trainer's down there. 
But uh, this has been a number of times where we go to Whole Foods, buy a whole chicken and an avocado, and just take okay, that. Okay, you piece definitely that, said that. You yeah, definitely yeah. said this last time. We'll just go to town, man. Yeah. Oh, uh, you should see my girlfriend eat chicken. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's like cartilage, no problem. Like, holy cow, girl. Better back up, yeah. Yeah. Better back up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not my favorite restaurant, but I don't know. My favorite restaurant is home. My girlfriend is an amazing cook. I feel like we've yeah, yeah, that's, I, there I you feel go. like that was the answer maybe. Yeah. And the keto diet. That's yeah. a, that's a good one. 2 years on the keto diet. On the keto diet. Yikes. Matt's been 2 years on the Dorito diet. <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> Dorito. <laughs> different. A little bit different. Similar, similar yeah. but <laughs> Robinson, I don't know if you uh you can you can yeah. speak to Victoria if you if Vancouver's uh unknown. Well, no, in in Vancouver be Mahoney and Sons. False Creek. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. We haven't had Mahoney and Sons yet. We have not. No. We have not. Well, I should check it out. <laughs> Went to school with the Mahoney's, and they were a handful back then. And they're a handful oh, yeah? Now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, what is one book that you would recommend every listener reads? Oh, here it is, guys. Rockstar Real Estate I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> So I authored a book. It came out in April of this year. Um, actually became a bestseller as well. And uh, it's, it's really good just for anybody who's learning about, wants to get involved in, in uh, uh, real estate investing. Really, it's tailor, tailored a little bit more towards somebody who's learning the basics. Um, but there is uh, a little bit of information about you know, some of the more advanced uh, techniques too. But uh, that's my shameless plug for the day. Well, yeah, and I, there's a... Well, I'll let Robinson. Yeah, I've 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 got a copy of your book. I've read it. It's fantastic. I will uh, also do a plug for you, Robinson. Favorite book? Well, if Kyle gets to plug, I was going to say, yeah, yeah. you got a book coming out. Your yeah. dad also authored a very famous. Yeah, book. at smithman.net, uh, you can get my dad's book uh, or uh, sign up for the uh, Smith Maneuver newsletter, which will keep everyone posted on the uh, publish- uh, publication date of my new book, Manage Your Mortgage for Financial Freedom. So that'll be about a month and a half. And along with that, coming out with a new calculator and a Smith Maneuver homeowner course, uh, and also setting up a Smith Maneuver certified professional accreditation program across Canada. So, But for any books that are out there now... Um, Trillion Dollar Coach is a good one. It's all about leadership. Uh, and for fiction, anything by Tom Robbins. Oh, yeah. Pretty I haven't good. read Tom Robbins in a while, but you're right. Yeah, yeah. that's great. I haven't read fiction in a while. Last question for you guys. I guess, Kyle, first. What is something that you have bought in the last year or two for under $500 that has changed your life? <sighs> wow. Have you bought anything for under five hundred? <laughs> Whole Foods chicken. Yeah. <laughs> Whole food chicken. Uh, something that's changed my life. Um, I remember what I said last time, so I don't want to bring that up. Um, what's something that's changed my life? Um, maybe I'll hit Robinson. You go ahead if you've got something and swing back to me. I guess uh, blender. I get a smoothie every morning. Yeah, and it's a fantastic way to start the day. Uh, so that's one thing, and another is a ping pong table. Wow! Yeah, so oh, man, we might become. <laughs> if you lived in Vancouver, me and you might become fast friends here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, ping pong table. Me and the wife have our evening matches, and she's quickly catching up. Very good. 
All right, got you got it. one? You got it? <laughs> I had to think about. So I think last time I talked about the um, the alarm clock that slowly... Oh, right, you yeah, did. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I've got another one. I think I got it around the same time, and that's why I had to rack my brain. Like, which one did I talk about last time? <laughs> Standing desk at the office. Oh, like nice. I And I'm pretty sure I'm looking at uh, my posture. I'm like, man, sitting in front of a desk, and I, I will shamelessly admit that when I was a kid I played way too many computer games thanks dad for being a computer programmer that helped a lot um, but uh, but that layered on top of uh, sitting in front of a desk for you know 10-12 hours a day um, you know you developed a little bit of a hunch and no matter how, you, how much you work that out it just doesn't quite fix it so I got a standing desk and it keeps my energy higher and um, and you can always lower it if you're feeling lazy but are, uh, <laughs> are, are you able to get close enough to the keyboard with that gut of yours oh <laughs> shots fired ladies wow. and gentlemen wow I'll have everybody on the podcast know I'm 5'11 and 185 thank you and I'm super cut um, but uh, yeah. I actually did get a um, another uh, an item that did come to my head was it something called a pluggable so when you're setting up I have a surface uh, tablet I walk into the office plug in um, the surface into this one item and every other external feature goes into it so I have two external monitors that get plugged into it a uh, keyboard mouse uh, microphone getting plugged into it you're just charging your phone etc so that was the other thing I was actually going to suggest too but of course, it's two things that I use at the office that I've. Oh, what are my, What are two things that have changed my life? Work things, of course. <laughs> well, uh, that that was a great conversation. Thanks so much, both of you, for for your time. Um, and how can uh, people yeah. find out more about what you're doing, Robinson, and then what you're yeah. doing, Kyle? Uh, Smithman.net. Uh, it's it's got the current book, my dad's book, and the the current calculator for sale up there currently. Uh, but if you, as I said, sign up for the newsletter, uh, you'll be kept up to date on the on the release of all the new programs and the, and the book. Uh, so that's that's where we're at, smithman.net. Excellent. Okay. Cool. You can reach Kyle Green at www.greenmortgageteam.ca. That's www.greenmortgageteam.ca. Can I redo mine? <laughs> Excellent. Well, yeah. thanks for taking the time, thanks guys. Thanks again, guys. Thanks. So there you have it, folks, our discussion with Robinson Smith and Kyle Green. Matt, just for the listeners, they can head over to YouTube and check that out in unedited version of our conversation with Robinson and Kyle. And uh, there were some pretty awkward moments, some good jokes, and uh, some cell phones went off. Yeah, yeah, and that was only in the first eight seconds. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but we really enjoyed having uh, Kyle and Robinson on, and I know I learned a lot. I know you learned a lot. And uh, if you're a listener out there and you have any questions about that, feel free to get in touch. Matt, what else do we have for today? What else do we have? We have the winner of the signed copy of Vancouverism, Larry Beasley's fantastic book with that elaborate message, secret drumroll. And the winner is Connie McGinty. I think Connie I think McGinty. I I know Connie. Do you? Yeah, and the fix is not in. Connie's a, a great a great guy. He's, he's from Ireland. I'm not sure yeah. if the the name gives it away. He just reviewed. Man, so hey, there you go. Look at that. 
everybody has an opportunity. Everybody's got a shot here. Everybody has a shot. So Connie McGinty, congratulations. And what, what, uh, did, what did Connie say, Secret? Love this podcast. The lads are a good laugh, and I always learn something new from their amazing guests. Well, if the name didn't give it away, Matt, the lads did. I think. <laughs> and also, the lads has the lads being us. <laughs> that's how that's how that's used, right? Have uh, have a few more books to give away. So review us on Google for your chance to be entered into the draw. And uh, yeah, yeah, Connie, congrats again. Yeah, th- thanks, Connie. He's good crack. Pure he savage. He is good crack. Pure savage. <laughs> okay. I don't know if we'd say pure savage, but uh, he's good crack. <laughs> what else do we got? We got Vancouver Real Estate Podcast.com. We do, Matt. We head over to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast for the best resources like PCS. And if you're not using PCS, Matt, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You basically get realtor level information at your fingertips for free. This is the best way to search the market. The people that are operating in this market are on PCS. They love it. They have multiple accounts. It is the best resource out there. So sign up for free on our site, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. We also got the Livewire. That's our weekly newsletter that goes out we've got deal of the month we're sending out stats we're sales ratio stats yeah i mean there's there's a lot going on information you're not getting anywhere else and we should say as well that we're going to be pumping out the live events because you need to know when these are come and hang out have a craft beer uh from the luxury of your own home that's right it's like a seminar without having to go to a seminar it is which is are my favorite seminars by the way (laughs) But yeah, if you want to talk about live events, real estate, podcasts, books, or anything else, give me a call, 778-847-2854 or matt at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. We also have that secret line. Info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. And it sounds like secret was the guy who's going to be reading out questions if there are any. So Yeah. Yeah. So um, maybe we should make this a secret ballot. Is that is that what we're going to call this? The secret ballot? See you next week, guys. Take care. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the and way. I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer. And they're looking for both donations and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join typing in VRP 2020. 